0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode four of Revive Don't Mess With The Metro. This is Ian, your CAPS representative, speaking to you. And today, at this instant with us, we have Dan and Andy with us. Hopefully, a few more of the gang joins just uh, really shortly. But first, we uh, want to start off with some uh, sad news. And as, we, as you have probably heard by now... Uh, but he passed away uh, at the age of 25 on Saturday after, uh, after he did not wake up from a coma from his uh, brain injuries. So, as always, prayers up to his soul and to his family. Um, really tough to see that happen to many that young, especially around a uh, holiday weekend. And so, obviously, you never want to see that, especially to a uh, very bright and honest and kind person who was very highly regarded by his teammates and staff, whoever had...
1: And such a hard along worker the way. as well. You could just Absolutely. tell how hard of a worker he was. Uh, just yeah. hearing uh-huh. those stories, up in, I think he was Swift Current uh, out in the W. And as much as we all rip on the CHL and all that, some kids really need to grind out there to make it, especially when you're heading into an overage year potentially, and for somebody to be able to realize that dream and fight through providence of all places to crack the bruins lineup that's that's some heart right there and it's it's a damn shame it's a damn damn shame
2: yeah it really sucks because i mean they're like the one thing we've seen a lot of is an outpour of stories from his teammates throughout the years either in the uh in the WHL and some teammates in the AHL and even like in the pros and both Boston and Edmonton that were saying like, this kid was always like hardworking, always someone that you not only like on the ice would be giving 110%, but also like off the ice. He was a really cool guy and someone that like, I mean, it's just, it sucks. Cause 25 years old, the kid had like his whole life ahead of him, but definitely something that it makes you like, realize not to take life for granted you know always important to realize what a blessing life is sometimes
0: and and i might not have uh really known who he was up until now but just reading the stories and what everybody has said about him it really uh it's
1: pretty it's very gut-wrenching as that so godspeed to him wow well, amazing what one player can really have like an impact on so many uh exactly. it really shows and again um Kind of like tying into this whole greater thing. Colby may not have been the biggest, may not have been the fastest skater, but it's clear that he was a presence in the locker room. And I really think that as much of like a stats guy that I am, and hell, I'm even going back to grad school to get a, a BA for business analytics. So it's something that I'm very passionate in. You can't measure that heart and what somebody means to a locker room. And you need those guys that are going to be able to come into a locker room that can go in and make the team laugh when you're on a losing streak. Somebody who's going to be able to say, hey, let's go grab a team dinner. Let's go get our minds right. You can't value that. Just because a player might be a fourth liner and to some other people might be a face puncher, colors on a chart that's mimicking ice don't bring the value that that player brings to a locker room. And it's clear that he not only had the skill to be able to compete, but he could definitely be that presence and really meant something to that team. And I really hope that people start to say that, and more see rather than say, players do have a value, even if they're not the greatest on the ice.
2: And really like people themselves, like if you think, if you look at all the people whose lives he's touched, just by their playing with them and, I mean, it really makes you think, like, as a person, like, how many lives you've touched throughout life. Like, you got to realize the same way how everyone's sad now. They, I mean, your everyone's life is that important. It's something that you definitely don't want to take for granted. You want to be realize, like, it's too short, you know. Definitely something to enjoy in the moment. Realize that you definitely want to be um, you know living in the moment sometimes because it sucks when stories like this someone so young and someone that like was such a positive influence on so many people unfortunately he's no longer here with us
0: and coming from a guy who tends to spend a lot of his uh open time just simply living in his own brain and his own imaginary world it's sometimes really important to <clears throat> be able to have that mindset where you where even in some like tough times you can Think to yourself, okay, how can I be funny, or how can it be funny in the correct way, or be like brightening brighten others people's mood in that regard. And it's, it's a heavily uh, underrated, uh, <laughs> it's a really under, every underrated hobby to have. So, so today for our episode, even though we are a uh, metro podcast, we are going to spend our time diving into the central division, and we thought it would be appropriate to start off with the defending Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. Uh, Dan, would you like to start
1: us off on St. Louis? They have not only the depth, but they know how to score. This team is just so sound, quick. They have a goalie that they found in the sea. I mean, I got to give them credit. Not often that you find something like that. Um, but having guys like O'Reilly, David Perrin, uh, Shen, just all guys right at the top of your scoring, getting pretty, pretty close to a point a game if I'm not mistaken. Um, just you're getting con- contributions from pretty much everybody in that lineup. Everybody has a place. They all know their role, and this is also without Tarasenko, right?
2: Yeah, it's definitely the main thing. Like the fact that they don't have Tarasenko. He only played like I think only. 11 or 12 games for him all year and then he went down with an injury people were thinking that they were going to trade for someone at the deadline and really they've just been still able to perform with quality years out of O'Reilly, Perron, Chen like their defense is still looking strong I mean even with Bo Meester having what happened like they were able to rally around that they're able to still go out there and Basically, I mean, they do It doesn't even show any cup hangover whatsoever. They are showing to be one of those teams that will definitely contend again. They'll have to come up with a new song, though. <laughs> I don't know which one they're going to pull, but I'm sure whichever one it's probably going to be another banger.
0: I would say that uh, yeah, basically before the season stopped, they looked like they were eh, like not stopping. They were just blowing right the way through almost almost everything. En route to uh, threatening for a potential uh, back-to-back scenario. And uh, looking at their team, David Perron leads them in goals. Ryan O'Reilly in points and assists. Not very uh, shocking there. <laughs> David Perron, the uh, what is it, third stint, St. Louis. He's Yeah, he's always been one of my uh, favorite players. Uh, so I guess, like, yeah, their defense has always been very strong back there with uh, Petrangelo and Falk.
1: And... Well, that's actually a good point to bring up with Petrangelo. He's a UFA this year, 30 years old. How much are they going to pay him? And consider who else you kind of got to pay, like, in total. Like, they don't really have anybody. And with their cap space, uh, according to Cap Friendly right now, they have roughly 8 million in projected cap space almost 9 million in projected cap space how much is petrangelo gonna ask for and if you're st louis do you pay him i mean i would say yeah i would personally i would
0: say yes although as long as he's not like asking for like thirteen million per or something like that but i think like because was it drew dowdy makes like 11 million per so like Depending on what happens with, like, the lockout and everything, there's a chance he could ask for around that range or maybe slightly below, depending on wherever he wants to market himself. I mean, John Carlson only makes $8 million per, so my projection is uh, somewhat in that range.
1: And speaking of Doughty, uh, before Andy goes, I just want to bring up. Can we please touch on that Drew Doughty thing, Ugh. where uh, <laughs> where he said that he noticed he wasn't on the players' pool. I mean, and I don't want to cut you off, Andy, but you're good. Make Not make yet. your point. Just just keep that in the back of my mind. I definitely want to touch on that soon. <laughs>
2: Honestly, for for per- 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 I feel like you kind of have to because he is getting there up in age. But at the same time, like he's done so much for a team that you're paying basically for the years in the past and. It is worth it to still, like, if you've gotten the cup out of a guy, yeah, you might have the contracts that are bad, but you still got that cup. So, I mean, ask uh, any Chicago fans if they'd give up any of their past cups, if they meant getting out of their contracts for their blue line right now. Uh, they would. Odds are they would say no. If they would, then they're nuts, because that's just past nine. But. Yeah, they would really have to say like the same thing. You, yeah, you're gonna pay for that past cup, but you're not gonna. It's not gonna be like a bad payment, all things considered.
1: And I'm looking at the names. Uh, Ian. Other than that, they have Scandella, and Brower. Are there only two Ufas? And Boehmester, technically, but Bo is probably gonna retire. But uh, between those two, uh, I don't know if either of those guys come back. And then they have three RFAs, and Vince Dunn, uh, 23-year-old, D-man, Mackenzie McEchern, don't really know much about him, and Jacob De La Rose. So it looks like Petrangelo is their only main guy that they got to pay, and who knows, they might free up some other cap space. If he's asking for $8.5 and, and you have to sacrifice those RFAs, I mean, do you do it? Troy Brower is probably also another guy who's going to retire
0: too, along with Easter, But uh, I feel like if I'm St. Louis, you try to you keep Vince Dunn and then maybe try for Dale Rose.
1: But then, do you sacrifice Petrangelo's money with those guys?
0: No, you your your
1: their their priority should be with Petrangelo.
0: Yeah, yeah, it would probably be. Uh... Most likely, like you said, a
2: bridge deal for done unless they can really sign him cheap and get long term, like cheap deal going. Which in some cases it works out because um, that's what the Stars did with one of their best defensemen, and then but then in the case of like the Flyers, they did that with Ghost, and that really has backfired on them badly. So you kind of have to play it by ear, but. Right now, i am saying they should go that route, pretty much, with Vince Dunn.
0: Yeah, and let's let's also not forget uh, Bennington got paid last summer, so yeah, they're probably really that. they're probably they're probably glad they have him done. So. Yeah. Next up on our list in the Central Division, we have the Colorado Avalanche. Andy, would you like to start us off? Well, um, for this
2: one, honestly, I'm surprised at the fact that like. I mean, it's between them and the Blues. Mike, whoever wins that um, playoff series will be representative of the West, odds end, because of the fact that both of them are just the two top teams in that entire, like, in the whole conference. I mean, they made moves this past summer that might have seemed a little bit um, skeptical, but have really paid off. Like, they did the low risk, high reward move of, getting uh Burakovsky. they went out and got um Nikutin, uh, Vlad uh, or Valerie nichuskin um, they traded for Nemesnikov and now they have a full year of Makar who's been lights out. They've had like the top line of Landis cog McKinnon and um sorry uh, Landis Cog um, McKinnon and um Ron um, yeah, Ronton and uh, those three, like, even when they've been going down with injuries, they have missed a beat. So, really, this team has been just unbelievable how it's been. I mean, McKinnon should get some MVP um, notoriety because of the fact that he's been just on a tear, but the team has insane depth. And if it comes to playoffs, like, if anyone's going to dethrone the uh, Blues out west, it's probably going to be uh, Colorado.
0: I would have to agree with you on that, and uh, yeah, yeah, Kel McCarr is a uh, especially a uh, fun player to watch. Uh, goes to show you, college hockey is certainly the way to go.
1: You know, you, you can't you
0: cannot go wrong. You cannot go so, wrong.
1: A hundred percent. You're looking at their top three guys. Well, technically, top three guys with Johnson, Cole, and Macar all going to college. Just gonna point that out. McCarr going to uh, that turnaround of a UMass season out in hockey. East. How, however, they went from uh, what was it, five and thirty-three? Or five, something? five wins to national runner-up. I don't understand how that happened. Uh, again, it's amazing what one player can do. Though, uh, what, what can you say? You know. Then uh, you got Ian Cole going to the. University of Notre Dame. You know, just another solid guy. Him, Anders Lee, taking that team to another national championship as well. And then you have Eric Johnson going to the uh, consistent, uh, I guess, kind of disappointment recently, Minnesota Golden Gopher squad. So, again, you know, top guys going to college. Players can develop. What can you say? And now... Two of them got paid. Two of them got big money. And Cal McCarr is going to get paid. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, he's definitely earned the big bucks after. I mean, he's winning. He's
2: like odds and favorite to win the uh, Calder. It's going to be him or Quinn Hughes. And really, it shows the fact that, like I said, college hockey just is dominant. And they've built their team basically through college hockey and through the – I mean, through college hockey and um, through the uh, European leagues, I mean, the only other one that really has been their shining point was McKinnon, who was, he could dominate anywhere. That's why it didn't really matter for him. But yeah, they've just built their team properly and it's definitely showing, it's definitely awesome to see considering how far they've come from a couple of years ago when they were one of the worst teams to now one of the best And still a bright future for a lot of these players, too. And their prospect pool is insane as well, Like when you think about
1: it. Exactly. And not to—I don't want to, like, before—if people are out there ripping on me, no disrespect to Sam Gerrard. Just saying, you know, sometimes some players can be diamonds in the rough. Same thing with Ryan Graves. The Rangers should have never let him go, or should have actually given the kid a shot, but I digress. Yeah, touching on your point, like, I know
0: this goes, say, with a cliche a lot, but— there's so many likable players on that team who are and who are like also lined up to be super fun to watch. Now I myself could be pretty biased towards uh Berkowski and uh, Philip Grubauer as uh, they have that as is have, true. Yeah, as they have pan, panned out sort of how we expect sort of expected them to and that's also like super fun as well. Kel McCarty, too, even if he is uh completely undressed uh Five players from uh, my school in a uh, preliminary round playoff game. It's uh, it's so fun to see uh, college players succeed the way he has. From from once playing in a national championship game and then jumping into the NHL playoffs and uh, taking out the number one seed in the West uh, last year.
1: And who would have even expected this team two years ago, or was it th- whatever three years, two or three years ago when they were it was three yeah. yeah three years ago and they put literally most of their team on the trade block did a complete overhaul brought in their prospects from college everybody ripped on him for losing the draft lottery end up taking McCarr out of the north american hockey league who was going over to umass fourth overall everybody's ripping on him and now they traded away duchene this team looks like it's going to be dirt and now look at him sound I mean, like contenders exactly within two years this Gotta say, Sackick's done a great job. Yeah. His I IQ, his hockey mindset is just, like, out of this world. Really, the fact that he
2: hasn't uh, gotten swept in the first round as a present trophy winner brings to mind the old uh, rivalry of Sackick versus Eisenman. You know, one of them did, did, like, developed an insane team, but they did get swept in the first round. Whereas the other one, well, here we are. They're still a contender.
0: Uh, now, now what we're not gonna do, what we are not going to do is take the uh, rival side here on the Detroit Colorado nonsense. So how about we uh, we will move on to our next uh, apo- we'll move on to our next team in the uh, central division in the Dallas Stars. Honestly,
2: this was a team that I thought was gonna be better. Like, they are still really solid and but they do have a lot of scoring talent, but they hit a skid and they hit it hard. Like they were one of these teams that, if weren't right before the break, they were just sliding down there quickly. Because it was between um, the Blues, the Avalanche, and them for a while at like the top of the uh, Central. But yeah, they really hit a roadblock. And I mean, they're I mean, it's like when you look at their team on paper, it doesn't make sense that they would be struggling because they do have all the big names. Like they have Sagan and Ben. They have Pavelski. They just got went out and got him. Their defense of um, Heiskanen and Klingberg is one of the best defensive pairings in hockey. And they went out. They still had like a good year out of Radulov. And really, they even had like Corey Perry chipping in. Somewhat. I mean, it's not Corey Perry of passed, but still, like, you'd think that they're also their goaltending. Kodobin and uh, Bishop were like a solid uh, tandem, but yeah, the scoring just went cold at the wrong times. Yeah, it's a shame because they look like a team that they need to get kicked into the next gear in order to even survive. Now, like, it used to be a couple of months ago, the conversation was would doubt like uh add those 3 Dallas um, the uh, St. Louis and Colorado which one make it to the next like make it to the uh, Western Conference uh, finals but now it, the the conversation shifted to can Dallas even contend with those other two so they really need to get their shit together
0: yeah it's kind of crazy that they started off the way they did in october my initial stanley cup final prediction of them versus tampa looks uh, very uh, skip bayless like shall we say in those in those terms yeah i mean as you can as you can see their owner is isn't there you see their some of their front office has also not been impressed with
1: a couple of their star players so yeah this team is just a little just odd they have consistent scoring but not consistently great. It's spread around if it doesn't seem that if one guy gets cold, anybody else can really pick up and besides Sagan, Jamie Venn's second on second in points at thirty nine through sixty nine. So what can you make out of that? It's I, I don't know really what to say. I mean you have what's that? Seven according to hockey D B six guys within the thirty to forty point range. In roughly 60 to 70 games. So that's what, 34, 35 points per 65 ish games, throwing that out. So roughly a half point a game. You're not going to make a run like that. You got guys in the dash column all the way up and down besides I Scannon. And that's, again, this is just an odd team. Uh, can I also just point out, uh, Cap Friendly has them at their final cap space of eight hundred and fifteen dollars. It's, uh, it's very Kansas City. very Kansas City Chiefs like. So.
2: Yeah, this was a team that, like this year, they went all in. They knew that pretty much their window wasn't going to be there forever. I mean, last year they were on the cusp of beating the eventual Cup champion in seven games, and even in six games they could have beaten them if uh, it weren't for the Bishop injury, but really they were right there like they know that they or they knew that it was like do or die at this point they went out spent the money to get pavelski they went out and took the waiver on uh corey perry and while the perry move didn't really backfire fully because it was a like really small um it's one and a half
1: million and it's it's done after this year
2: yeah and i mean he's already put up like 20 something points so one and a half mil for 20 something points isn't terrible um, but also, like, the other moves, like, it just, you'd think that they would want to go all in, and they basically need their goaltending to put up a, uh, I think it's a safe percentage of, like, nine uh, 920 for Bishop and 930 for Kodobin. They need those uh, guys considering that the rest of their team has just been slumping.
1: It's yeah, they don't really have a goalie. They don't have a goalie. I've never been yeah. big on Bishop. Bishop's a big goalie, not a good goalie. There's a difference between the two um and again normally i don't rip on guys kind of like bishop i don't know
2: yeah Kadoban has proven himself as the better of the two at least this year like i mean it's just something that they basically are they're thankful to have him because last year and this year he's been a solid backup for them whenever bishop's not playing his best and especially this year he's one of the best goalies like he's getting i think 30 something starts yeah you need that
1: well Ian, i mean that's what he gets for going to maine
0: right Maybe. Well, I mean, hey, Jimmy Howard did go to main, too, and I think he's. I still think he's a good goalie, so it's not. Jimmy well, Howard's a better, a better, a different breed. He's actually yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, it's not like. He, <laughs> yeah, it's not like he went to uh, BU or UMass Lowell. So no disrespect to Tyler Wall, but <laughs> next, moving down the list, we have the uh, high. We have the semi-flying Winnipeg Jets. Rather interesting team. Considering last year they somewhat went all in, couldn't even get out the first round, and now they just seem to be around like average and with a few couple of holdouts on the team.
1: So all right, can I just point out that Kyle Connor is clearly carried by Mark Shifley because there is no way in hell that a Michigan player could be putting up more than a point a game. Damn There's bro, you got Very the true. whole squad laughing. Very true. I'm just making blatant facts here. They both I played one games. Not only they both have seventy-three points.
2: Not only that, but whenever he's also playing alongside either Wheeler or Line, a, yeah, obviously you're gonna be putting up insane stats with those two on yeah. the wing. Yeah, that's that is just one st- like they are, they have insane scoring up top and they did right now it's looking like they're winning the Pionk for a Truba trade because Pionk has revived his career. It's almost like
1: well, Pionk he only was needed- a- he always had it. He's always had yeah. it. The problem was Lindy Ruff. it almost like talking. you just
2: need a confident assistant coach to help fix your defense. Crazy concept.
1: But again, like looking at this team, not only solid top-heavy, but enough depth to get them through. Um, nothing really big coming out of their bottom guys, but it seems like they all contribute. Pretty quick team. Um, I don't know what you guys make of them, but I think that this could be a dark horse if if we're to have a playoffs, this is a dark horse contender to be able to make a run. If Hellebuck can put up a nine thirty, and he's at a nine twenty-two, it's not impossible. Again, another college hockey product. Just going to throw that out there again. But my uh, only
2: thing with uh, my only thing with Hellebuck is like I I mean he's obviously had really good stints, but also he's gone in those cold patches. So you'd have to hope that like when he goes cold, the big players like line A and Wheeler and Connor and all that would be able to like, pick up like Shifley and Ehlers would be able to pick up and get the scoring going because of the fact that they are going to be without Truba. And while is, it still has the scoring ability, his defense is still also something that they have to adjust with. They do also have to look at like their other defense, but I mean, Morrissey and uh, um, Kulikov and, they have to make sure they step up. And basically, yeah, it's something that they could, they're, I'd say right now, they could be more of a uh, threat than Dallas when it comes to like upsetting one or both of uh, Colorado and St. Louis.
1: Mm-hmm. And again, that's another one. Ehlers, that's one we kind of just glossed over. They definitely have that talent. And Ian, I'm sorry to. Debunk your UMass Lowell theory with Hellebuck, but maybe uh, UVM needs a uh, needs to get a recruit or two in the uh, in the goal in the goalie department. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, you oh. had Stephanos Lekas, and Oof. he let you guys down, but
0: kind of did a lot of the uh, carrying. Well, uh, well, I mean, currently uh, Tyler Harmon is uh, next on the uh, depth list, so. Barring any other changes, he's the uh, next man up, so I guess I've only seen them play, like, once or something, so I don't don't exactly have a good sample size, but yeah, about the Jets, uh, this is a point I like to make a lot, so while this may sound super cliche, they're one of those teams that could benefit from just flying under the radars, given that, like, Last year was they were supposed to make a deep run and kind of failed miserably at that. Well, good although pun. They at least lost. Oh,
1: yeah, great had, pun.
0: They at least, although they at least lost, they at least lost the eventual Stanley Cup champions. So maybe there's something in there. And they sort of had like an off season, a lot of uncertainty and and I think particular, I think particularly with uh, all this uh, Dustin Bufflin holdout, like a lot, a lot of the team is. Well, the team is coming. Has sort of like adapted very well to like not having them in the lineup and uh, sort of like playing together. And they're they're not they're not that team that's very like eye catching, but if you like watch them enough, like they're pretty they're a pretty solid group.
2: Yeah. One thing also I'd like to one point I also like to make whenever like I'm looking at the Winnipeg Jets, it's insane how like under the radar. Blake Wheeler has flown in his career. Like, this is someone that really no one talked about as far as, like, how good he was until recently. Because, like, I mean, he was solid in the past. He just never had really anyone good to play with. And Boston obviously gave up on him, like, mad early. And then after, like, finally Winnipeg gets him a couple of good teammates, and now he's been just blossoming. Even the year before uh, they got um, line he was almost a point per game that year, like 78 points in 82 games. So he's definitely someone that never gets like enough respect, but he's been mad good, and I'm glad that like finally people are starting to take notice that he is a really
0: solid player. Well, uh, we move we move to the other end of the uh, spectrum down the division and to the Music City with the Nashville Predators. Talk about a team that tends to have quite a bit of talent. You don't exactly hear them get critiqued much by the media for sort of somewhat underperforming the way they have, particularly in between the pipes.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, they made the splash for uh, Duchesne in the offseason. They figured that they were going to be going for it, and then they made that trade, the P.K. Subin trade. So I kind of got conflicting vibes from this team right off the bat. I don't know what to make of them as of right now. They're locked in at big money. A little bit underperforming. Can this team make a run? Is Pekka at age, what, 36, 37? Is he going to be another Hank?
2: Yeah, I would say for them, um, this season has been definitely a roller coaster. Like, they fired Lavi and Brian John Hines, which...
1: That was a stupid
2: move in its own. Yeah, that was dumb. Like, why? Honestly, that was just why. Um, That made the Peter
0: DeBoer hire by Vegas look smart. yeah. Yeah, like one of those Galaxy
2: brain sort of situations. Maybe it'll work, but I don't know. But other than that, they did, like, obviously, this has been a uh, sort of a struggle year for both Forsberg and Duchesne. It looks like, really, Roman Yossi has been balling out. But besides him, their their offense hasn't been the same as, like, years past, where they've been able to still— they've had, like, good offensive defensemen, but— really outside Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis, that doesn't appear the case. And, yeah, goaltending has just been abysmal. Like, Renee is
0: shown his age. Yeah, Roman Yossi, for, their only, he's their only player who has more than 50 points. And he's a defenseman. I Mance has got 2009 Mike Green offense in him. If you tell me.
2: Hershey legend, Mike Green.
0: Of course. But, yeah, just to reiterate off your point, like, Riosi's definitely, like, carrying a lot of this team on his back. If he was, like, he was like half the player he is now. This team wouldn't even be wouldn't wouldn't even be
1: making the playoffs. And also to bring up their cap situation for next year, uh, according to Cap Friendly, they have almost 12 mil in cap space, with a couple guys that they've probably got to sign. So between Granlund and Smith, who knows if they're coming back or not? And if so, they have 10 mil in them right now have, so.
2: at this point they probably have to keep Granlund because he balled out for them the one game where he got like the game tying goal with uh, i think a second left and then the game winning goal in ot like he they've had heroics where it's like crazy how they're still competitive but somehow they've been fighting but yeah he they have to definitely probably have to keep him it's gonna be interesting how they work their cap because also how much how many more uh, years does rene have
1: Rene is this year and next year, so he'll be 38 when he retires. And uh, okay. it's safe to say that he's not going to get re-signed. Saros is an RFA. They, 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 both their contracts and uh, Dante Fabro is going to be up for a contract uh, next year as well. So this team is going to be a little bit tied up, yeah. uh, especially yeah. with Roman Yossi making nine million a year starting next year.
2: Yeah, that window's closing on quick. I mean three years ago they were in the cup finals and now here they are.
0: Well, next on our list we move into the state of hockey with the Minnesota Wild. Feels like every time we talk about this team we always are mentioning how they're like a piece away from being bigger contenders than what they are. Yet this seems to be a constant topic every time we think about them.
2: They're just one of those franchises that for the past like ten years have been stuck in purgatory. Either they'd be, like, in contention, or they they should be in contention, but they're a piece or two away, and they're getting knocked out in the first or second round by the Blackhawks or by someone else, like the Stars. Or, like, they should be uh, rebuilding, but then they go out and sign Matt Cicurella to a hefty deal. And I wonder, like, Why? Do they not want to, like, go... I mean, they don't want to commit to either way. Like, why not just say, are we going to blow it all up, trade everyone, and, like, go for a rebuild and actually get a piece or two to be able to build around? Or say, you know what, we're going to go all in, trade away, like, prospects, and go get, like, big pieces to make that push. They, for some reason, haven't. Like, even if they... When they signed Parise and Suter, they still needed some more pieces, and they didn't get them then when they decided to rebuild, they didn't even give up any good
1: pieces in the process. I'm assuming Koivu's going to retire. they got to sign Galchenyuk. Then they have Kunin and Greenway, both on RFA deals. So you figure they're probably going to try and bridge them. And then the rest of their team is pretty much UFA the year after. Stahl, Fiala, Felino Hartman, Donato, Eriksson Eck, Grodin, uh, Pattern, Brad Hunt. Like y- You name it, they're all... UFAs, and uh, Dubnik's also a, <laughs> a UFA in the year after, so it's it's now or n- never for this team, really, in an odd now or never way. What are you going to do? Are you going to compete, or are you going to blow it up?
0: I think it's pretty uh, funny how we, how Suter is uh, currently second in uh, points right now, and first assists actually? for their team. Yeah. Having yeah. I mean, just looked right now, it's like, well, that's Living up to it's living up to your contract a little bit in this one season, Frizay leads in goals, but but with regards to the points, yeah, with regards to points, he's um, fourth at forty six. Fiala leads them with fifty four. He's the only he's their only fifty plus point getter. So
1: this they have the pieces. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Is it they're just running into better competition? Like Andy said, they kept they ran into the Blackhawks during their good years. Yeah, for the most part, you can't fault them for that. That's just you ran into a better team. The team was built better than you. The team was faster, stronger. So be it. You got to find a way to overcome that. But right now, you're in between a rock and a hard place. Because can this team beat St. Louis or Colorado now in a seven-game series? I I don't think so. I would count on
0: them winning two games at best. And probably the thing two is, games, honestly. Like, that's
1: probably generous, but <laughs> yeah. They have the pieces, too. That's what I don't get. The oldest guy on the roster, assuming Koivu retires and taking out Parise, it's going to be Eric Stahl, who's gone the year after. After that, in two years, Matsu, the oldest,
0: 34 years old. He's a guy I keep thinking is, is like, going to is like close to
1: retirement age for like the past three years <laughs> so i mean i don't i don't know
0: i mean they still
2: have also um they're like uh really good russian prospect um I'm trying to think of his name
0: karel krapers
2: yes krapers like he's that when he comes over he'll be a really good piece to build like honestly i would i thought that they should have like i think last year was when they first started to trade away some of our players they trade away um, to the Predators and like uh, to the um, to the Hurricanes a couple of pieces. So, like this year, this off when they went out and signed um, Zuccarello, it just didn't make any sense because they should just commit to a full rebuild or at least like a retool. Just uh, when they bring in their best players and then try and get like a couple more really good players through the draft and through trade, they would be able to have the pieces ready in like two or three years to make that run but for some reason they just want to like stay somewhat competitive. It's I don't know, it makes no sense really.
0: Yeah, like you said, every year there's always a team that's just like miles above them and, and it sort of makes you wonder it's like they're getting the right pieces but it's like how can they make them fit together within the team like more likely?
1: I mean, are you they know? missing like a locker room presence? And again, not to going back to opening the show is. Maybe they're missing that locker room guy that's able to bring the boys together.
0: And that's something you never really, that's something that really never pops into the first thing inside your head when you're looking at on ice performance.
1: When teams are looking for trades, you can bet that they're asking how that guy is in the locker room. Just because a guy may seem like a dick on the ice doesn't mean that he's not a great locker room guy. Mm-hmm. Tom Wilson, for example, everybody on the Caps loves him. You hate to play against him, the guy's kind of a dick on the ice but let's be real. The guys he knows how to rally his team. His teammates get behind him and he's there to protect his teammates. Brad Marchand is honestly probably the same way too. A hundred percent.
2: But also like with this, you'd think that over the past eight years that they've had Suter and uh, Parise that they would have established some sort of like locker room presence or something to set up to have, especially recruit other players in. And yeah, they recruit Stall and that signing did pay
0: off. But those are like, those are three, those are three veterans right there. Plus, and yeah. that's not it, not even including Koifu.
2: Oh, yeah, exactly. It's just like over the past decade, like how this team hasn't either went further or how they just haven't decided, all right, if we're not going any further, just stop going altogether together and just try and do a quick rebuild. I don't know. It just feels like they should have done more in this past decade. Like they've just been a disappointment all the 2010s. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm with you.
0: Last but not least on our list, we uh, move down to the aforementioned Chicago
1: Blackhawks. Let me start by saying real quick, this team, I don't know what Stan Bowman is doing, but it looks like this Blackhawks team might be able to turn it around next year. They're showing some sort of consistency. I mean, they're still not great. They're losing games that they should win, but they have the leadership. They definitely have some of the pieces to be able to make a run of all the guys that are making a little bit of money they're all young so they have uh what's his name uh the defense the Swedish defenseman uh Boquist they have all their young guys able to make a run I I think this team is going to be right back in the thick of it pretty soon a lot sooner than people think it's crazy what happens when you uh don't have seabrook for your entire year and you realize
0: oh it's actually really easy to move on from him at the at the way at his age now <laughs>
1: yeah I, I expect a buyout i mean he's 34 years old making according to cap friendly right now 6.875 per year how many surge how many surgeries did he just have? That I don't know. Unless they, they might be able to keep him on long-term IR technically, because they don't have to buy him out if he's not medically cleared to play. So they don't have to buy out penalty. And I don't mean
0: that out of any disrespect. Like in his prime with Duncan Keith, like there are like argued, are arguably like a top three shutdown pair in the league. Oh yeah, absolutely. But, but you know, it's like you know, it's like what you go. <clears throat> what is it? You go. To the, you go to the Western Conference Final for like five times and seven seasons, like, the number, as we've discussed in, like, the p- last show, those games build up. And, you know, Seabrook's 34 and he's just coming off an injury that's... And, like, if you think about for a guy like him, you think a guy like him who plays a very, like, nit-and-gritty kind of game, blocks a lot of shots, hits a lot, takes a lot of hits, like, it's good. His, his body gets beat up a lot. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if he, like, retired within the next couple of years, like, not just out of a young age, but just, like, in that time. He's played so many hard minutes and so many hard games. You do that much, your body wears out
1: quicker. Mm-hmm. And the only issue that I can see him having right now is the goaltender.
2: Yeah, that's one thing I definitely want to touch on, because of the fact that I just feel like as good as Bowman has been for getting them back into, like, I mean, they have a young core of forwards, but I just don't really feel like their goaltending. They've made the right moves there because the fact that they had Robin Lehner having an insane year for them. He was like the top um, trade piece for goaltending, like in net, and they dealt him for I think like a second round pick and Malcolm Subban, which. I mean, as much as I would like Malcolm Subban and the fact that he's after like the uh, Bruins gave up on him, basically he's like turned himself around with Vegas. He's not anywhere near the level of Laner has been. This is the defending Vesna champion and Vesna winner. And you literally only got, I think, um, let's see if I got it right. It was a uh, second round pick and... Yeah, it's just it did not look good. And uh, Slava Demin, or Demin. so uh, Suban Demin, and second-round pick all for the yeah, like, uh, Vesna winner. Like, you should have gotten a lot more. You should have gotten the first round, or you should have gotten a like, really good prospect. And I don't know. I feel like they definitely kind of underwhelmed at the deadline. And that might have pushed them back a little bit. Because I think mean, how much further can, Craw- can uh, Crawford go? it's one of those questions basically I have to think about now
0: going back to their forward core like Kane and Tays are sort of like I don't want to say I don't want to say on like the older end of their prime prime years but like they're getting close to that age but they're still putting up sort of like the numbers they expect to especially Kane 84 points I would sort of talk about how like he doesn't get talked about much but this is the Blackhawks we're talking about, so... Right. Forget yeah. it.
1: <laughs> they've they, they are they've had enough coverage. <laughs> yeah, in the moment that we've been talking about them, they've already gotten three new outdoor games scheduled for over the next three months, so...
2: <laughs> I still find it funny, though, the fact that, like, obviously... I mean, Kane gets talked about a lot, and people, like, say, oh, it's because he's overrated and stuff. You can say, like... You can say that about Taves, which I still think is, like, eh, sort of fringe, but... For Kane, he obviously is a generational talent. No matter what, I have to like argue with people online that think that generations can only have one generational talent. Beyond, it like beats the shit out of me. But still, Kane is a generational talent. He's up there with um, Ovi, with Crosby. Same. He's been like the face of hockey, one of the face of hockey this past decade. He is. Yeah, he's obviously an insanely good player and he's, yeah, he might be 31 and Tate is 31 and they're going to, they're bound to regress at some point. But for now, they basically still have, they can still uh, captain that team, like champion that team towards, back towards winning. I mean, they even have the Brinkett, Strom and uh, Alex Nealon, they're still coming up, ready to go. Kirby, Doc, they, they have really the pieces that they need to.
1: And just to touch along that Taves point, people calling him overrated. Are they calling him overrated because he signed a 10.5 million dollar contract and he's not putting up a point a game? Because if that's what they mean by overrated, you can't fault the guy for the paper the team is offering him 10 million. If you're getting offered 10.5 million, you would take it too. You can't call a guy overrated because of that. That's the team valuing him at that. He's not overrated because of that. If you're saying that he's a top three player in hockey and Trying to try to argue that, and the league's constantly pushing him, even though he's not perform it, like at a, a point per game. Then you have an argument there. But I don't agree with that uh, statement that most people say Fournier is being overrated. It, to me, it just doesn't make sense. If you want to like get mad that he has a lake at his house or something like that, then all right, fine. Uh, yeah, if you understood that reference, you're you're definitely uh, an OG on that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, exactly. And He's again, left. to touch on, sorry, and uh, just real quick, wanted to touch upon the generational thing. You have different roles for different players. To say that there's one generational talent, that means that Crosby came in, you can't have another generational talent at all. That means that Ovi, fuck off. You, you came a year after Crosby, so you can't be a generational talent. Ovi's yeah, a generational man. goal scorer. Crosby is a generational playmaker. Well, I'm, I'm talking a playmaker. Yes. Yes. He's a generational playmaker. Patrick Kane is, I guess, more of a just a generational stick handler and just like another playmaker. Skillful. Just, yeah, just skill in, in a little bit more of a different way. Henrik Lundqvist was a generational goalie. Like... T- you can't you're gonna have I, I agree with people saying you can have one generational for each like i guess skill set player type of player so like mcdavid's gonna take over for crosby um i would think matthews is probably gonna take over for Ovi as a goal scorer i would have thought it would have been line a, but who would expected matthews to be able to do that um but still, that's that's what generational talent means. It's like trying to say that you have a generational linebacker in football versus a generational quarterback. You can't have a generational linebacker because you already have a generational player at quarterback. Like, come on. <laughs> it's this exact same concept in hockey.
0: I feel like one point people make to the Taze overrated actions is sort of how like, in like from like 2013 to 2015, he was always getting hyped up as like, oh the best leader in the game, the best center league, heck, the best player in the NHL when Sidney Crosby exists. So I kind of like played a part in that. And then also from the fact that because the Blackhawks haven't won a playoff series since 2015, that might play a role in that and why fans are sort of just like hurling out the overrated chance at it. But that's my two cents.
2: No, I definitely understand that. But yeah, it's one of those things that
0: also, looking at
2: the fact of generational, different uh, roles and stuff, like he was a very solid. Uh, he's been a very solid, like two-way uh, forward. For I mean, I mean, yeah, he's basically been a solid, like offensive or defensively minded off um, forward. I mean, him, uh, Kopitar, like there have been a couple of them that are like elite level, and you can make the argument that he's been one of the generational talents when it comes to defensive offenseman so yeah he's not going to put up as many points but he's still going to play in the back end like a third def- defenseman sometimes
0: well that wraps up our talk in central division and now we will discuss about our favorite hockey video games and to start off i am going to have to confess when it comes to video games i've never exactly been a uh, omg i want to want all the hockey video games kind of guy like my personality when it comes to video games shifts kind of a bit differently from my uh, sports
1: personality. So I'll start off at that. <laughs> but Any answer that's not Gretzky NHL 2005 is immediately wrong. I don't care what anybody says. Go debate your chicken. Go debate a boat. Go debate the water outside. Go debate your parrot. Go debate a pineapple. I don't give a shit. Gretzky NHL 2005 was one of the best hockey games ever made on PlayStation 2. I will still play that game to this day. End of story, end of discussion, period. And if you say anything otherwise, you're just absolutely wrong.
2: All right. <laughs> Watch Ooh. me. Two Ooh. words. Ooh. Backyard hockey. <sighs> All right? You go ahead and show me on Gretzky NHL 2005 where you can have Mike Madano pass up to Steve Eisenman, who passes to Pablo Sanchez. Who buries at the five holes on Fats Obrador? Go ahead and show me that. Please. I would love to see that happen in Gretzky NHL 2005. I would I love that. Go ahead. Uh, prove me wrong. Yeah.
1: See, he made that whole fantasy thing up as if Keisha Phillips wasn't in net to actually make the stop or something. So. Joke's mm-hmm. on yeah. you. Keisha's the other side. Oh. Oh. Yeah. oh, God. My bad. I meant Pete Wheeler. Backtracking so fast. Oh, yeah, Wheeler
2: yeah, yeah. is not anywhere near goaltender level. <laughs> like the goaltender goes, Keisha. I think it's Cujo, uh, Keisha Phillips, uh, Kenny Kawaguchi. Somewhere down to like a couple of rows down is finally Brodor. Because I mean they should have put in uh, Hasik or Wah, but they were too big. They had to give Fatso some sort of representation. But yeah. Go ahead and uh, show me where that is. And then top defenseman there, Brian Leach. So, obviously, that bumps up that game tenfold. Just saying, you know.
1: It is a good take, but it is still atrocious. You, I, I don't know. I don't know. All
2: right. I mean, I you know. also have Jager and Jumbo Joe. I mean,
1: all, all the guys that you're on. mentioning are also in this game as well. And you actually you know play with some other team Just because Pablo Sanchez wanted to take some time and actually play a video game instead of being one. You know? You can't fault him for it. You can't fault even, the guy.
0: Even the biggest legends amongst us need breaks every now and then.
1: Yeah. Pablo's gotta roll in here and
2: I'm just saying that just show me where in your game that you can have these Hall of Famers play alongside Pablo Sanchez and then we'll talk.
1: Yeah, Alright, fine. We'll have to set up like a, a VLAN or something like that. Great. And so go we'll ahead and create play, the custom we'll character <laughs> I'll, I'll teach you a lesson in why Gretzky's better than backyard hockey, make you cry in backyard hockey, and we'll see from there. And speaking of lessons, Andy, don't you have a lesson for us today? Well, before you touch on that, I must say that some t- that
0: NHL, you couldn't, you, can't really, you couldn't always go wrong with NHL 2K10. Now, I could be biased given who is on the front cover, but there is always something pretty nice about playing mini-rink with your brother against Pittsburgh and then, like, always trying to hit Crosby over the boards and out of the rank, like as many times as possible, or tr- or trying to or trying to just check Flurry whenever the puck was in his crease, or whatnot. Man's and, got a point.
1: Man's got a point there.
0: You know, well played. You know the brother, you know, the brother always can uh, teach you lessons there and lessons. Ooh, Andy, what is your life lesson of the week this time around?
2: Well, this has certainly been a week. Uh, one thing I would say is, um, folks, if it's a quarantine and you're going to a grocery store for whatever reason, make sure that you follow the designated like order, in which case you have to go down one aisle and up another aisle. Yeah, the last thing you want to do is look like a simple thing going the other way.
0: I can happily agree with that because... I noticed that in my endeavors this week, there are a couple of people who are just blatantly unaware of it. And yeah, I know it's not normal, but in these times, you kind of do need to pay attention rather frequently. And yeah, you know, it's you know, it's like I feel like I'm playing some sort of like manhunt, manhunt game, like pedaling, moving forward, pedaling backward, and
1: then peddling, driving slide backwards, to left. Slide, slide to the left, right. to Crisscross. <laughs> so, Danny, can you can you explain the uh, restock that you had of uh, Slim Jim's beef jerky and one other thing? Why why was that so significant? I mean, it just looked like normal food.
2: Well, basically, I got a whole pack of like Slim Jim's. I think a forty-six count or something. Um, right at the beginning of this quarantine, and I was trying to like ration them, and then I ran out. Um,
1: this so past it's safe weekend. to say you didn't ration it very well.
2: Not a sliced because honestly, like I didn't even eat on Fridays because of Lent, and I would still be like, as soon as I come home from work, I'd just be like working on homework and say, All right, time to go grab a swimsuit. i kind of hungry now, and I would do so, but then I grab a second one and a third one, and then next thing you know, like a couple of days later, I was like, Oh, I am halfway through these bad boys. This is a problem. So, yeah, I've definitely taught myself how to ration, I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. Life mm-hmm. lessons there.
0: I also have another lesson to drop. Gentlemen, if I have taught you anything, it's this: uh, don't hold chocolate milk past its expiration date, so that when you uh, come back from your long run, it's just a little like blob of like chocolate slug. You're just like.
1: After just all, wanna point uh, out, uh, Ian. Not only is that lesson very, very relevant to uh, some people in this chat, uh, I want to ask, why you bought another one? Why'd I buy another gallon of chocolate milk? Yeah, if, uh, you know, if it's If if it's going to go out like that? Well,
0: with increased weekly mileage, that probably means it makes more sense for my chocolate milk consumption to increase too. You know, like, you only visit the grocery store once a week, and you tend to down, like, half a gallon in five days. You're you are better off being stocked up so
2: yeah the only thing i would say for milk is the fact that it's usually that's one of the ones where you basically have to um use it as soon as you get it like that's for me that's only like a once a that'll get like a new uh carton once a week and go through it like a gallon a week because i'll just have it for breakfast every day and go okay. from there
0: and honestly the crazy thing about what i've like, I feel like there have been instances where I've had, like, ex- where, like milk, like, two days past its expiration date before. And, like, it's never, it's never, like, developed into some, like, slug where, like, it's not even, where, like, most of it's not even, like, liquid anymore. Like, this is a rare, a rare instance on occasions, but everything's, everything in this day and age has become, everything has become rare, so.
2: True. You basically can just play hacky sack with that sock with, uh. Mass, gelatinous mass now.
1: also want to point out while I have you guys here, we are 16 days through uh sober quarantine right now. So baby steps forward, baby steps yeah. forward. I, I remember Andy, did you say 30 days? Was it you who said 30? Was it Matt who said 30?
2: I don't know if I said 30 or 45. I might have said 30. So judging on the fact that I should have really just gone with 45 you got me there I'll go ahead and concede that I can see you beating 30 the question is once you get past like May is gonna be a tough one because you got to think of the Mayo and if things are start opening up you're gonna to have to deal with a opened up um, Memorial Day right before your, oh yeah! If it's,
1: uh, if fiction. the bars open up, forget it, Ian. I'm sorry, you're me making it all 60s. Not well, going to Andy, happen. we do have past
0: recordings to go back on what you truly, what well, your, yeah, your we'll prediction have to, was. listen back on episode two. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: So yeah, that'll be certainly, certainly something to the peep then. Because
0: I don't know. Uh, good news, good news for you, Dan. Is I think given where you are, you might not have to worry about a lot of things opening up in the future
1: I mean once they open up though I am probably not going to be sober for a solid weekend the group chat is probably going to be my first source of what the fuck actually happened and that means that we're going to see Andy back at the bar uh, making questionable decisions again
2: oh yeah you're going to get a whole bunch of life lessons on that one really it's going to be Friday it's going to be a rager from Friday night at like 6 o'clock when I get home from work all the way through until Sunday morning when you guys get like messages, or really Sunday afternoon when I'm like messaging you guys, telling you, like, if I've told you anything, it's this don't puke in your neighbor's bushes.
1: <laughs> Speaking of the bushes, have, have they uh, ever replanted anything there, or are the bushes still Still nothing on that end? Um, Actually, go on. For the people that are listening that don't know this story, can you please explain it? Because this is by far one of my favorites. <laughs> right,
2: well, a couple of years ago, not my best moments. Um, I would often go out to the bar and throw back a couple, and I would go like hop to from bar to bar. And there was this one that was near my house that was like my last stop. And usually, I, I mean, if I didn't stop there, things would be fine. It's when I would stop there that I'd be like, well, this night's going to be rough. Because after a couple of drinks there that were like really cheap, I would then stumble on home and. On a couple of occasions, I did not make it all the way home. And <laughs> that bush was basically the perfect way for me to just... Bat, uh, Release the <laughs> Exactly. And next thing you know, a couple of uh, months have passed. And I looked at... Um, one day, I noticed that our neighbors were actually moving. And they blamed it on the fact they got into a fight with the other neighbors. But, you know, the fact that their bush is like whittled down into nothing... Was just sort of hysterical to me. And then the new neighbors that came in knocked that bad boy right out, just cut it down. So now I don't even have anything to mask it. I'm just like, well
1: crap. Right in the neighbor's yard.
2: <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm gonna have to aim for like storm drains at this point.
0: <laughs> they tried taking out its legacy. Such a shame. They really did. I got put a plaque there or something.
1: Yeah, here lies the remains of Andy's night out on blank blank blank. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> Sarah McLaughlin plays in the background.
0: <laughs> well, thank you everyone for tuning in on this fine Wednesday night. I hope, your, hope all your, your quarantine is still going well. We would like to say special thanks once again to uh, first responders, police officers, firefighters, ambulance workers, hospital workers, grocery store workers, retirement home volunteers, Whatever, whatever contribution you're making to help so the spread of COVID. So thank you very much for tuning in on this fine day. And on behalf, uh, on behalf of the crew, we will see you next week.
1: Everybody be safe. Take care, guys. Stay home.